All right. How you guys doing? Welcome to episode 10 of the Noel Kassler podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for helping the podcast take off. We were number 48, I think, in the iTunes or Apple podcast comedy interviews for the week. We're, we're doubling our numbers and downloads, and it's all thanks to you guys. So we appreciate you tuning in. I'm back here to break down the week's events with my podcast EP, Big Jimmy Kennedy. Jimmy, how you doing today? Doing fantastic, Noel. Broke the top 50, and we're into the double digits when it comes to episodes. So thanks to the audience for tuning in. We love you. Exactly. Thank you all. And uh, let's let's get let's hit the ground running. Elise Stefanik is now going to be the third most powerful person in the House Republican caucus. <laughs> they're elevating her and they're ousting Liz Cheney. Liz Cheney made the horrible, I guess, unforgivable sin of not participating in the big lie, which has now become the branding <laughs> theme of the GOP. They've gone all in on Trumpism. A lot of people thought they would change their minds and fade away. And, and they really have no choice because they've gone deep with him. You know, he's taken them across the line. They all, they all participated in what happened on January 6th. Whether they want to admit it or not, every time you see them now on the Sunday morning shows, their mantra is, let's just move on. Yeah, they want to move on because they crossed the line, you know, by not <laughs> denouncing him, by not in convicting him in, in the impeachment inquiry. They condoned it. And now that he owns them, that's what happens when you work for a mob boss. You know, you take a favor, that guy owns you for life. And and that's the entire GOP now. Elise Stefanik, in case people don't know about her, she's from a, she's from a district outside of Albany where I have a lot of family in upstate New York. And she's a, she's a nutbag, for lack of a better word, you know, <laughs> but she's like the rest of these guys. She went to Harvard. She's not an idiot. She knows none of this stuff is true, just like Josh Hawley and Ted Cruz and all these Ivy educated smucks, schmucks. They go along with it because it's it's the only way they're going to have power. And they're not only going to have power, they're going to make a lot of money. So but she was like Marjorie Taylor Greene before Marjorie Taylor Greene. If you remember, <laughs> she was one of the first firebrand as they like to call themselves GOP new members that was just all in with Trump. She made up a story a couple years ago where she said like somebody left a mean note on her car in a parking lot and it was like die fascist scum, you know, and it was clearly a publicity stunt. Like nobody left that note, you know, yeah, when yeah. she was shopping and cohos or whatever, you know, in Albany, <laughs> but like she wanted the attention. She wanted to tweet it out. And then she sort of faded out because you know, these new Lauren Boberts and all these other jackals came in on the last election, <laughs> sucked up all the air. But now she's back with a vengeance and they're ousting Liz Cheney. You know, Liz Cheney, why don't you speak on Liz Cheney, Jimmy? Well, she's as conservative as it gets. I mean, Dick Cheney, her father was Darth Vader before Trump came in. And, you know, like Mitt Romney got booed last week. The, the GOP that I knew growing up is no more. Like that GOP is dead. So, you know, it's become a fascist party and they would rather stick with the orange guy and stay elected than to put the country ahead of their jobs, which is the whole ideology of Congress. Uh, you know, it's it's a sad state of affairs in Washington and it just continues to get worse because outlets like Fox News continues to stir the pot. Absolutely. It is. Uh, it's a scary state of affairs. And yesterday, uh, Governor DeSantis signed a new sort of draconian voter suppression law in Florida. He also lifted all of the mask mandates and any sort of COVID precaution that that state was 
participating in, which were already pretty few. You know, there's at least 35,000 deaths in Florida. There's probably a lot more because there's an article that actually just came out today, a new study that they think there's 900,000 COVID deaths in this country. You know, it's not mm. almost 6,000. And you you knew from the beginning it was always more than what was officially reported because people die in their homes. They die of other things. And, and, you know, people don't test for whether it was COVID related. That was kind of a given. But so DeSantis signed this law yesterday. He wouldn't allow any press into the bill signing, but he gave an exclusive to Fox News and did it live on air, you know, and he copied Trump's mannerisms to, to the T. You know, he held up the, the, the bill signing that he had all his sink offense standing against him and he you know, held up his little index finger. It's not by accident that he's copying all these moves, you know, authoritarianism, authoritarianism rather, we're, it, it, it relies on a cult leadership and cult like magnetism. You know, Hitler came to power because he had these raucous rallies and he came up with these gestures, you know, this Sig Heil salute and all this kind of stuff had a broad appeal to people, just like MAGAism has a broad appeal. You see it, as I say, every week on the highways now on these pickup trucks that are all militarized with all these stickers and these guns and, you know. <laughs> these Taliban beards that all these guys are wearing in the suburbs and stuff. It has a theme. And, and Trump knew that he was a branding expert, if nothing else. The cheap blue suit and the red tie every time you see him is for a reason. You know, he wants you to like per associate this image with a particular brand, uh, which is now national nationalism and, and fascism. And, and DeSantis saw that. DeSantis is another one of these schmucks. He went to Yale. He went to Harvard. He, you know, he was in the, like Naval JAG school or whatever it's called. You know, he, he's not a dumb guy. And he knows that it worked. There's a huge base of power. He's basically the favorite son of Donald Trump because he did everything Trump wanted through all that chaos last year. He refused to, you know, sort of implement any precautions because Trump wanted it safe and open. And he actually even went to a fans of Donald Trump conference before he did the bill signing. So he basically <laughs> went to kiss the ring, you know, the little ring on the little stubby child like finger of Donald Trump before he went and did this thing, you know, because he's vying for that role. And if somebody like DeSantis comes to power, you watch out, you know, yeah. I mean, look, we barely survived Trumpism and we still haven't necessarily survived it. You know, Biden's come in and done some good things, but we're not out of the woods yet. Jason is still out there with his ax or his machete or something <laughs> hiding behind a tree, you know? So we got to be really watchful and and we can't let these voter suppression things pass you know now we have one in georgia we have the crazy ass recount in arizona and now we have these laws in in florida and and like i said a couple of weeks ago the end game of this is just not counting the votes you know what what the end goal is is going to be like it's not just going to be these recounts it's going to be like you know what we're not participating in that anyway we're just certifying that our guy or girl won <laughs> you know, and that's terrifying. And that's fascism. That's the end of democracy. And they're going to be like, what are you going to do about it? You're not going to come and attack us. And we're going to have our boys outside of the building with all their AR-15s and stuff ready to defend us, which is what happened in Arizona. If you remember when those recounts were happening the first time back in November and early December, they had militia guys showing up with weapons outside 
of these facilities that they're doing the recounts. And now they're doing these recounts looking for bamboo fibers on these ballots because they think <laughs> that they are snuck in from China. The only thing that was snuck in from China was a bunch of MAGA hats that they're wearing because that's where Trump has all his cheap shit made. <laughs> well, and, and the thing is, you know, when you talk about like infrastructure is one of the things that Joe Biden wants to impose with this American jobs plan, replacing all of the lead pipes throughout the United States. So we don't have a Flint, Michigan situation again, you know, predominantly affecting low income as well as uh, people of color predominantly power grids. We've already seen that fail in Texas, right? Like Global warming is contributing to this as well. And hopefully there is some kind of unity down the line because the human race and American society is at risk if we don't start doing something to uh, get ahead of that curve. But also like high-speed internet as a utility. That would completely change the country when it comes to what Joe Biden wants to do. But these GOP folks are totally resistant to their own future. Even if it benefits them, they're against it. It's, It's craziness what's going on in Washington. I agree with you completely. It is. Yeah. And, you know, those infrastructure things, they, they benefit everybody, as you said. And that's yeah. the holistic approach to governing, which the Republicans are dead set against because the Republican Party exists to make wealthy guys much wealthier. Jamie Dimon came out the other day and was like, I need an itemized bill of all this infrastructure spending. Really? Mm-hmm. Well, can we get an itemized tax you know, bill for you for all the money you spent, you know, yeah. at your time at Goldman Sachs? Like, You know, he gets pay increases, his workers get decreases. And that was this year was that writ large. Billionaires made a fortune off the last year. You know, we have like eight guys now that are worth more than like two or three hundred billion. I looked at the list last night. It's insane. And Elon Musk is like number two on that list. And that guy's a Bond villain. If you ever saw one, that guy's (laughs) just out of his mind. He's scamming all these bros that are sitting home trick trading cryptocurrencies, you know, thinking Dogecoin is going to make them rich or whatever the hell it's called. Like they're morons and they're going to lose their Xboxes because they're going to be so broke. They're going to be selling them to get some bus money to get out of mom's basement. Like he's running a scam on these folks. And the head of one of the biggest banks in, in England said as much today. He said, like, if, if you're investing in cryptocurrency, be prepared to lose all that money. It has no real backing. It's a Ponzi scheme. Its only value is based on other people buying into the hype and like, like wow, to the moon. It went to 300. I bought in it, you know, 25 cents. <laughs> yeah, you're going to make some money if, if you get in early. That's how a Ponzi scheme works. You know, the first guys make some money if they get out, but then it has to keep expanding to increase the value. And whoever's at the top of that chain, somebody like Elon Musk, he pulls the plug and leaves and you're screwed. You know, and he's going to be on Saturday Night Live tomorrow. That whole thing is an ad for cryptocurrencies. You know, it's a scam. And Lauren Michaels is a greedy dude who never turned down, a, you know, a dollar bill. Most people don't get what Lauren Michaels is really about. But he's on there having Elon on there because he wants the hype. He wants the controversy. And he wants to, he's probably got a piece of cryptocurrencies, you know, or some of his cast members do. You know, I could see what's the guy, Pete Davidson or somebody being like, come on, have Elon on. He's the coolest because that's who it appeals to. These guys sitting home smoking pot in their cartoon T-shirts thinking they're like fancy day traders. That's not how it works, but it's like what we talked about, you know, at the beginning, beginning of this, how the GOP exists to make the rich richer. They've now found a way because it's the same people, the same people that are manipulating cryptocurrencies. It's the Russian, it's the Chinese, it's how. 
a lot of dirty money gets laundered. You know, it's how you pay for big global criminal operations. So the same people that are doing that kind of on a large scale have now found a way to offer it to the same type of psyche that MAGA appealed to, you know, to, to people feeling powerless, sitting around in their basements, like having lives that don't really work out. Now it's like, oh, look, I could, you know, I could get rich off of just tweeting about how awesome Bitcoin is. Like, it's just, you don't want to make a quick buck. You want to do like you said, you want to improve the infrastructure of this country, get green new jobs in here, build high speed railroads, replace all these lead pipes that are making everybody sick. New York City's full of them. You can't go into an apartment in New York City that, you know, the water hasn't been run in two weeks and turn on the tap without it coming out brown. You know, our, our pipes are built in the like 19th century. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's not even a joke. You know, yeah. serious. We're the oldest part of the country. So there's so much work that has to be done, but the Republicans are not interested in doing work. They're interested in making a quick buck and scamming their supporters through, you know, waving a flag and we'll let you have a gun and Jesus loves you. And don't look <laughs> at why Mitch McConnell is going to vote against any of this infrastructure stuff, you know? Well, and the crazy thing is, you know, a majority of the GOP is against unionizing, but they're part of the world's most powerful union in Congress. They set their own schedule. They set their own salary. They will go to any lengths to improve their lifestyle, but they work for us, the American people. And Mitch Mitch has shown time and time again that he doesn't care about the American people. And he's still, he's trying to paralyze this democracy as much as he can through being the minority leader in the Senate. Absolutely. And all of his contributions come from out of state. You know, he was in business with Oleg Derek Pasca with all these mines in Kentucky and stuff. You know, the best you can hope for in like at the lowest job in, in Kentucky is like working in a coal mine. Like you're going to get black lung. Like that's a job from another couple of centuries ago. Like that is just a horrible thing to do. Again, Trumpism, you know, beautiful, clean coal. It's not beautiful, clean coal. It makes your face black if you stand next to the smoke of it. You know what I mean? It's a deadly substance that, by the way, you have to tear down a mountain to get. Like the juice ain't worth the squeeze. You're going to destroy the environment to get a, like a little more power. And, and yeah, because the fossil fuel industry owns the Republican Party and, and a big chunk of the Democratic Party, too. Let's not be real. We got our, our man down there in West Virginia doing all he can to obstruct the Democrats, you know, and that guy is, has an outsized amount of power. And I'll tell you a story. I was on the road with Crosby, Stills and Nash, as you know, for years. I was a road manager and probably around. 13, 2013 or 14 or something, we were doing a spring tour and we, we, our next stop was in West Virginia and they just had a big chemical spill in a river that flows through Morgantown, West Virginia, which is where our gig was. It's kind of, I think the capital of the, the state. It's the only place you play. There's really nowhere else in West Virginia. It's obviously economically very poor place. So there's one city that can support like a big band coming and playing there. And before we got there, they were like, the tour manager was like, hey, guys, when we get to the hotel, don't drink the water. Like, don't use it to brush your teeth. Don't take a shower. Like, don't just don't make sure you don't get this water in your body because, you know, it's all poison, apparently. And you're like, oh, great. You know, and I go up to my hotel room on the first day and I would always take vitamins on the road. And I took a vitamin. I was in the bathroom and took the vitamin out of my little dop kit. And I took a sip of water out of the sink 
to take the vitamin and it burned, bro. It burned my throat. <laughs> it went down my chest burning. The next day I was in the medical center. And by the time we were in like Iowa, a few shows later or whatever, I was like seeking more medical help. Like it screwed me up for days. And I just had a sip of that water. Okay. Right. And that's from a state that allows companies to dump whatever they want into the creeks and the rivers that makes all their political choices based on what benefits a mining company, you know, something that strip mines and destroys the environment and destroys the lives of the workers that participate in that industry and pays them very low wages. You know, they're as anti-union as it gets. You brought up unions, you know, mm -hmm. unions are what built the middle class in this country. You know, unions are the, are the best thing that ever happened to the worker. Unions are the reason you haven't been working, you know, and using you as an example, but, you know, why you haven't been working since you were 10 years old, you know, sewing clothes in a, in a, in a garment shop. Like unions are what made a lot of the iconography, iconography of this country and a lot of the things that the themes that the Republicans exploit that came from having unions you know it was unions that allowed people to have these jobs in factories that paid them a different decent wage and let them put you know two kids through college and two cars in the garage you know and the wife got to stay home not that that's good women are just as you know if not better in the workforce than men so they shouldn't have necessarily been subjugated in that way if it wasn't by choice but the the myth of americanism and apple pie and this like strong proud nation that came up mostly around World War II, that was the strength of unions. And, and there was people died for that right. So to have the same type of people that benefited from that, cheering on these Republicans that are trying to tear it down at every turn and participating in a political movement that's taking its cues from Jamie Dimon, I guarantee you Jamie Dimon doesn't have the best interest of your bros and your pickup trucks in Indianapolis, you know, <laughs> listening to Joe Rogan on the way into their, you know, landscaping gig, you know, or whatever they're working at now because the factory is long gone. He doesn't have their best interests at heart, you know, and Joe Biden does. But they're able to paint Joe Biden as Sleepy Joe, and he's got Kamala Harris as his vice president. All these things that seem foreign and un-American to them because they've been conditioned to accept that stuff as unacceptable. Yeah, I mean, that's that's 100% true. And, you know, one other thing that I want to hit on, there was a guy at work this past week. He was wearing uh, U.S. Marine Corps stuff. And I have to wear a mask at work because of just COVID mandates of trying to stop the spread. And he says, uh, you know, is there a mandate here? And I'm like, no, it's not required, but it's encouraged. You know, he rips it off and says, thank God, you know, it's such a pain in my ass to be wearing that mask. And all I'm thinking to myself is, what about the 50 to 75 pounds of gear that you had to carry around as a Marine? you know, in the military. Was that more difficult than wearing a mask? You know, but it was West Virginia, I believe, that offered folks $100 savings bonds just to get vaccinated. Like, we have to offer people money to get a vaccination. That's the point that we're at in America. So it's, it's scary. Because it's a sickness, you know, that yeah. sort of thinking is a disease. People have been infected by this Trumpism and by Fox News every night. Tucker Carlson now yeah. all he talks about is anti-vaxxing conspiracies. Right. That's his new theme because he knows it's going to go viral the next day and the outrage is going to drive his ratings and it's going to put more money in Rupert Murdoch's pocket as he sits on his super yacht, 
you know, with Mick Jagger's ex-wife, you know, <laughs> like off the, you know, Turks and Caicos or wherever he is, you know, seeing how many billions he made this past week. And it's it's a disease. It's a compulsion. That kind of thinking is like it's like a cancer, you know, it grows in society and it gets egged on by like a public proclamation of that, like ripping off his mask, you know, or paying people to get vaccinated. Like you have to pay people to, to like potentially save their lives and and more importantly, to save somebody else's life, because it's not just about you getting vaccinated. It's about you not giving it to an elderly person or somebody with a compromised immune system. You know, this is the deadliest thing we'll probably face in our lifetimes besides climate change. And and you have to beg people on to do it, you know, like to bribe them to get vaccinated. What do you think the Indian people would say right now? You think they would need a bribe to get a vaccine? You know, do you think the rest of the world, Canada, it's hard to get a vaccine. They don't have the vaccine supplies we have. You know, we got all this resource. And once again, we're sort of squandering it. Vaccines are going unused at all these vaccination sites. Like that's insane. You know, I'm in recovery, right? So I'm in a fellowship, a 12-step fellowship, right? And there's a saying, you know, like when, when you have an addiction, if you're an alcoholic or something, it's like your only solution is a spiritual life. You know, you, you have a higher power and you basically turn over, you know, all this stuff to a higher power and say, I can't do this alone, but I can do it with the strength of a higher power. And that could be anything. It could be your cat, you know, it could be, a, you know, your favorite baseball player. Like it doesn't matter what it is as long as it's something other than yourself. But the equation, the important thing in the equation is making a choice that like you're going to expand your spiritual life. You know, you're not going to be in charge and you're not going to try to handle life based on your own self-will. Okay. You're going to choose a spiritual life. That becomes very hard for alcoholics and people new to sobriety to accept. And the alternative is death. Like the best, if you're, if you're a real alcoholic or an addict, you have like three choices, like jails, institutions, or death, right? <laughs> like it never ends well. That's the way it ends for everybody, right? Or you cho choose a 12-step program and expand your spiritual life. That becomes an issue for alcoholics. They have to sit and think about that. Yeah, I'm not sure if I want to do that. You know, like I might choose death over like a relationship with God or a higher power. Like that's insanity. And it's that same mental illness and insanity that I see in this sort of e equation because people are having to be bribed. They're having to sit and think about it. Yeah, well, I'm not really sure if I want to take that vaccine. Really? You want to die on a ventilator in a hallway saying goodbye to your family over Zoom while some nurse holds an iPad up to you for five minutes? You know, because mm -hmm. that's the, it's not a pretty death, but people have to think about it because their self-will is involved and they've been manipulated in their thinking by outside nefarious forces, mainly, you know, Russian disinformation and all this stuff on Facebook. You know, anti-vaxxing was a Russian GRU sort of like weaponized propaganda that they started feeding to Americans just because they want to destroy the society. You know, there's nothing wrong with vaccines We're most of us are alive right now because of vaccines, <laughs> you know, like you want to talk about human progress. Vaccines are progress going to Mars. Not so much. You know, that's not something I really need right now. But yes, we do need mass vaccinations. We need them around the world. And we're having to convince people to participate in their own survival. Well, and you talked about the, the hardships going on in India right now. Probably the most heartbreaking video I've ever seen on Twitter. It was um, two sons and their mom died, like was literally dead. And they like positioned her on a moped to take her to the hospital. 
because of how bad, like there wasn't any emergency services. Like, I think that's where the disconnection is for me too. It's like, you're gonna be impacted and angry about the choice that I make to wear a mask when I myself have an underlying condition. Like I have cerebral palsy. I would wear it just for me. I certainly don't want COVID, but I, I don't understand why there's this anger and resentment toward the other like there is now. It's like something that I've never felt before. And that was that's what Trump did. He divided a people. The worst thing yeah. a politician can do is turn a, a group of people against each other to divide them. A house divided cannot stand or will not stand is the quote. I think it was Abraham Lincoln, you know, like that. That is the worst thing you can do to people, because in reality, right and left, we're two fists on the same body. You know, you're always meeting yourself if you want to take it beyond, you know, um, we're all the same thing. We're all connected. We're as connected to those people in India as much as we're connected to the person next door to us. We just don't see it that way. The life of, of everybody on this planet should have as much importance as your own family's life does to you. It doesn't mean, you know, I'm obviously you take care of your family and stuff and you have, you know, you have to keep it local, but you have to understand that it's all interconnected that it's all part of the same whole. And if any of that is off balance, we're all going to suffer. And especially a nation like India with billions of people. Yeah, that I saw that video. It's heartbreaking stuff. And that's writ large across the country. If you saw that video, you can bet it's happening hundreds of times a day where somebody doesn't have a phone to record it. You know, because they're out of wood at the crematoriums and stuff. And nobody was there to come. The crematoriums are outside, you know, outside in fields and stuff. It's just horrible. And uh, we should be doing everything we can to stop it. But instead, we're focused on, you know, what did Tucker Carlson say last night? Not that he shouldn't be or not that we shouldn't be because it's important. But what I'm trying to say is Fox News and this kind of stuff and what the GOP is doing is they're further exacerbating that calamity. You know, they're trying to suck air out of the room instead of letting us come together and address these huge global health issues, these huge global climate change issues, because the people that are making money on this stuff don't want to address it. You're Jamie Dimons, you know, your guys who don't want a tax cut or, you know, a tax raise rather on the richest Americans, the wealthiest Americans, the guys who don't want this infrastructure thing because it's going to affect the bottom lines of the companies they hold. You know, how many petrochemical companies? you think Goldman Sachs has a piece of. They don't want these regulations, you know? So how do you prevent that from happening? You so distrust. You start all these chaotic things happening in this country so people don't look around and they don't pay attention to anything beyond that. And they get involved in this fight between their neighbors. You know, that guy, you said he was a Marine or something like, you know, he ostensibly signed up to protect this nation, right? Most of the wars that we've fought, as I've said before, you know, in the last 60 years had to do with communism, with a distant threat of communism, right? So that guy basically is probably into Trump if he's ripping off his mask, you know, who's a guy who made all his money from Russians, you know, and, and, and Chinese investments and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with the Chinese people. And there's too much Asian hate. And I'm not trying to make that analogy. I'm just saying this guy is taking money from your traditional allies. You know, if you were fighting in Vietnam, you know, it was the, the communist China that was going to be supplying the weapons and the, you know, the bullets and stuff to the North Vietnamese, as it was going to be the Russians sort of supplying the Chinese. It was all about dismantling democracy and, and fighting it everywhere they could. And that's why people signed up to be patriots. 
post-World War II. It was the Cold War era wars, you know, all the way through the Reagan era. So now what, 30 years later, the guy's walking in like, I'm not wearing a mask. Trump told me not to. You know, it's my freedom. You know, it's not your freedom. You're an idiot who's been manipulated by Facebook and Fox News and Rush Limbaugh, you know, and all these morons that are making a fortune off of this stuff. And it was Trump who dodged the draft five times to avoid Vietnam. You know, instead, he got high in the back of his dad's limo. You've talked about that. Like, the guy has no idea what service means, and he has the audacity. We've said this on the show before to play, you know, fortunate son at his rallies. Like the guy's a walking contradiction. Yeah, he sat there at the grave site of John Kelly's son, you know, who gave his life in, in one of the wars in the Mideast, you know, post 9-11 and said, I don't get it. What was in it for him? Right. You know, he's basically like, your son was a sucker, bro. Why would he do this? <laughs> you know, Don Jr. wanted to join the Marines and Trump threatened to disown him if yeah. he joined. You know, <laughs> they have not only do they not understand it, they have contempt for it. And Tucker Carlson got vaccinated. His family got vaccinated. Trump and Melania got vaccinated in January. They didn't tell anybody, but they got vaccinated. Governor DeSantis, when he he wouldn't put any kind of stringent anti-COVID protocols anywhere else in Florida. I mean, Mm -hmm. dudes were going out to restaurants like last April in Florida. Like, you know, you saw the spring break images. Like they did nothing they fired the lady who was like tracking the deaths, you know, on the, on the state website, they fired her and arrested her. They did everything they could to keep the truth from coming out about how deadly it was. That guy closed the state house in Tallahassee. You couldn't go take a tour where he had his office because he didn't want to catch that shit. You know, he knew it was real, but he knew the political brand that he was selling and the idiots that were going to support him were going to be all in on like, yeah, masks are free, you know, masks are an impingement on my freedom and all this BS. And it catapulted that guy to power. You know, normally you would think a dude like that would be done by now. And it's the opposite. He's the front runner in the GOP. I I was watching uh, Scarface the other day and I, (laughs) Do you really think there could be a standoff? We've said that here before on the show, that there could be like a standoff in Florida. And I just imagine like there being, uh, you know, a war going on at mar Largo if, if they arm up, you know? It's going to be sick. Something crazy will happen. <laughs> I promise you this thing is going to end crazier than you can imagine. Nobody would have thought like January 6th could happen, right? If you said two years ago, like, I'm going to tell you, there's going to come a day in January, you're going to turn on CNN about one o'clock and you're going to see like Americans attack the Capitol with flags and start killing police officers and like, you know, walking into Nancy Pelosi's office and putting their feet up on the desk. You'd be like, that ain't ever happening. Like I tried to walk into the Capitol wearing a Reagan mask in 1989 and Halloween because I told you I I worked up there. I was a a messenger for the Congressional Budget Office. And I thought it would be funny, you know, to walk in there with my like Reagan thing because I would go into the House dock room every day. And when I got to the the south side of the Capitol, there's a police checkpoint then. They were like, hey, sir, we knew you'd be back someday. <laughs> and then they were like, hey, you got to take the mask off. You can't walk in here like if we can't really see who you are. You know, there was a sense of security there that was like comforting and also very much real. You know, and so the fact that these guys breached the Capitol was mind boggling to me. And you never would have thought that would happen. But Trump is the kind of guy like you're not taking him alive, in my opinion. You're not going to perp walk that dude out of Mar-a-Lago. You can't do a perp walk wearing lifts anyway. 
you know, they're not going to wait for you to put your four inch lifts on so people can like still pretend that you're six, four. Right. But they're not going to come and get him in the way that it normally would. His people would negotiate a surrender and then he would skip town or something. He's he's too fearful a person. He's never been held accountable for his crimes, his financial crimes, his mob ties. I told I spoke last week about how he was a rat. You know, he would find out an FBI informant had like gotten its way into the organization and he would tell the mob, you know, like he would do anything to save his own ass, but he's not the kind of man who's just going to walk into court and take his lumps. And he's not going to have to. Let's face it. He's 74 years old. He's grifting like mad with all his supporters, you know, DJ, DJ, whatever, scrump, his kid, you know, was sending out a link this week, just like donate here directly. Anywhere else you donate, the money doesn't go right to us, right? So they're building this war chest. They've kept all this campaign money and uh, not to mention the inaugural funds, you know, the 107 million they stole before he was even sworn in. So uh, he's got all these funds. He can tie this stuff up forever. You know, these people that think Trump is going to be in jail. And I got a friend who worked in the SDNY, you know, very smart guy, much smarter than me. And uh, at least when it comes to the law and stuff, you know, he's he thinks Trump's going to get locked up. I don't see it happening because you could tie this stuff up. There's two sets of justices in America. Khalif Browder spent three years in Rikers Island, two of them mm. in solitary for a backpack. He was a 15 year old kid that was falsely accused of stealing a backpack and they threw him in jail for three years because his family couldn't afford their percentage of the bond, which was $600. It would have cost $600 to get that kid out of jail. And they didn't have it as most families have it. Right. So there's two sets of justice, you know, but if you're rich, if you're a wealthy white guy and you got millions of dollars, not to mention being an ex-president, you're going to tie it up. You know, he's going to be able to like, he's already got great lawyers, Mark Mukasey and all these guys that know what they're doing. So the public is not going to get the satisfaction they think they're going to get. You know, Trump's 76 years old or 74 now. He'll be 76, 77 when the trial starts. It's like it ain't going to play out the way you want it to. But if back to your point, like, yeah, if the FBI goes down there and tries to take him, he'll be like he can't be on Twitter, but he'll be like getting the word out, you know, like come to Mar-a-Lago tomorrow, protect your leader, you know, line up. And they're not going to like mow down a bunch of MAGA guys <laughs> to get in there. It'll be it would be a standoff. You know, he would be like, I refuse to do it. And Governor DeSantis would go along with it. Governor DeSantis isn't going to let him be taken unless Governor DeSantis, and I wouldn't put past put it past DeSantis, was like, well, now's my big moment. I get that guy out of here and then I just claim the mantle. Right. But either way, it'll be insane, just as everything is with Trump. What I tell people, like, the only thing he cares about is breaking things. He doesn't really care about the money or the political power. He cares about being the center of attention, you know, and sort of destroying stuff. He's the kid who literally threw rocks at the neighbor's baby who punched his teacher in the face, who tried to throw his high school roommate out the window, you know, who said that the major leagues scouted him when he was a baseball player. There's <laughs> an article on that. You can look it up. Like literally he played baseball when he was at reform school up here in Westchester. Yeah, it wasn't Westchester. It was the other side of the river. And it was military school, which is like reform school for rich kids, you know? And he tried to throw his roommate out the window. Like the dude's a psychopath. And literally told people years later that he was scouted by the majors because he had such a hot arm or something. <laughs> well, and then he got booed at that Nationals game. You know, he took the country low and outside. The least that we could do is boom at that game. And we, we've talked about it before. Like, that's mortal damage to him to be booed like that in a public forum. 
Yeah, he saw the tears well up in his eyes. That's <laughs> humiliation is what a narcissist feels most. And, and he's basically been humiliated his whole life. That's what Trump is. You know, that's why he always like, you're a nasty woman. You know, that nasty term was something he heard like when he was a kid, when his mom walked in and he was beaten off or whatever. You know, like <laughs> he's been shamed and he's internalized that shame and now he acts out on it. He would get laughed at by other kids in his elementary school because he couldn't read. He's dyslexic, you know, and they hit it his whole life. That's why you've never seen his grades. You know, that's why he says mini Annapolis because they write it out phonetically. That's what they had to do on Celebrity Apprentice. He can't read, which there's no shame in it, but he felt shame. You see what I'm saying? He felt shame and tried to cover up his deep insecurities his whole life. And when you do that, it's this giant hole inside of you that only gets bigger and nothing can fill it. I mean, think about who this guy is. He owned casinos. His name was on, you know, a third of the buildings in Manhattan. He had these huge things. You know, he had he would fly himself on a 757 down to Florida. You know, he had a plane that used enough gasoline to, to put a hole in the ozone himself that he'd get on with him, whatever wife he had that particular year, you know, and a couple of bratty kids and whatever, like horn dog buddy he was bringing with him, like Jeffrey Epstein for the weekend, right? So there'd be like 10 people flying on a 757, you know, a plane that can have 300 people on it. He would fly himself. Think of the guy's ego who does that, who doesn't just buy a Lear jet you know, which is faster and cooler or a Gulf Stream or something who needs a big commercial airplane just for his fat ass and his ugly family. Right. <laughs> That's who Trump is. He has to be like, look at me, look at me. That's all that matters. And, and guys like that go down in flames. They don't go quietly. Well, and it makes me sick that his kids are still getting Secret Service protection. You know, their bill was outrageous. You talked about that in your rant today. Yeah. And you're paying for a drug addict. I mean, Don Trump Jr. is a drug addict. I've said it before. He was dry when I knew him, meaning he wasn't working a program, but he wasn't using alcohol and drugs, at least as far as I saw. And it was widely known that he had a substance abuse issue, as did Ivanka. The addiction gene runs through that family. Obviously, everyone knows, you know, what I talked about with Trump being addicted to Adderall. You know, his two brothers were alcoholics. Both of them died from alcoholism. Trump used the one who died last year. You know, he used Robert Trump's death as like a photo op and brought his body to the White House, even though he hadn't talked to the guy in 30 years. You know, they had a falling out in the 80s and he fired him. Robert Trump went up to Millbrook, New York, which is just north of me and was like basically the town drunk you know, for the last couple of years, and then it catches up with you. I'm not disparaging him for that. As I said, I'm in recovery myself. There's no shame in it if you get help, but there's a family that's in denial about it. Think of how many times you've seen Donald Trump Jr. high out of his mind, you know, making a TikTok video or appearing at the uh, convention, as you said last week. Tweet out <laughs> of mind. Like everyone knows that guy's on drugs. You don't think the Secret Service knows it? You don't think they're making, you know, you don't think they know that Cokie McScrumpy, you know, who's 20 minutes <laughs> late to get out in the SUV and has shit flying out of his nose is on drugs. And we're paying for that guy to carry drugs around, you know. Well, and I have an uncle who's in the Secret Service, you know, one of the most finely tuned security guys in the world with his training and background. You're just making his job more difficult when you're coked out of your mind. Like it's not making anybody around them better by what they're doing. They, they're chaos agents. We've talked about that before. They're hurting themselves, obviously, by the drug abuse. And I wish anyone treatment. Get better. Avoid the, those substances because it, it gets ugly uh, after a while. And we're seeing it in real time.
Absolutely. And, you know, kudos to your uncle. Secret Service is awesome. And Trump didn't want them from the beginning. He's like, can't I just use my own guys? Yeah. You know, he, he just wanted to bring, bring Keith Schiller and, you know, Matthew Calamari and, you know, his mobbed up like ex-NYPD cops to protect him. And they're like, no, you have to use the Secret Service. And he brought his guys anyway, you know, until... <laughs> Until Mueller came on board and there was an independent counsel, you know, investigation, and then he sent Keith out of town. That was the first thing Trump did. You know, after Jeff Sessions was fired, Keith Schiller delivered the letter to fire Sessions. Sessions was a fired for appointing Mueller. And then Trump said, get out of here, you know, because Keith knows where the bodies are buried. But Trump wanted security that he could compromise, you know, that he owned essentially. And that's why he didn't want the Secret Service involved. And he also tried to put a lock on his bedroom door in the White House. No president had tried to do that. And Trump's like, I'm going to put a lock on the door, okay? <laughs> and they're like, not okay. Like, we need to be able to run in there at three in the morning if like the U.S. is getting attacked and take you out of there. And I worked with tons of Secret Service guys. I've escorted Bill Clinton on a lot of events, you know, Jimmy Carter, where I had to interface with his Secret Service guys, and most specifically on the two inaugurations I worked on, you know. Mm -hmm. Did I ever tell you the Chris Cornell story on here? I don't believe so. Okay, no. so I love the Secret Service. They're awesome to work with. When we were doing the second Obama inauguration, we had a thing where Soundgarden was playing, which was awesome, you know, and uh, they had also gotten Chris Cornell, who, you know, we lost a, f a few years ago. It's right around this time of year. And, you know, what a voice that guy had, you know, he's like my favorite rock singer. So he was going to sing at the commander in chief's ball, right? which was upstairs. There's all these different balls that happen the night of the inauguration and that the president attends. And the commander in chief's ball is the one he goes to first. And it's like all the generals and like Pentagon guys and the really like buttoned up, you know, serious, you know, commander in chief's ball. It's like the army guys and stuff. Right. So Chris Cornell was going to play a song solo, a, a wonderful like uh, John Fogarty tune. He was going to play that and the band and me were just going to like stand off on the side of the stage. And he went on and played this solo, um, keep a candle in the window, you know, this great Fogarty tune. Yeah. And when we're getting ready to go up there, the band had their own security at secret service took me aside and said, look, we ran all these guys, you know, this one guy can't get in the elevator with you. He can't even be on the same floor as the president. You need to tell this guy to leave. Because he had a prior, you know, he had some kind of violation 20 years earlier that made him you're not even allowed to be on around the president. You know, even though Donald Trump, like, let's Chuck Zito backslap him, you know, at, at, at MSG, <laughs> right, at the UFC fights and stuff. He broke all those rules. But back in the day, the Secret Service would run a background check on you. And if you had anything in your history, you weren't going anywhere near the White House where, where I've done events or any event where the president was at. Right. So they're like, OK, you can't let this guy come up on the elevator and, and you know and be anywhere near President Obama when he walks in the room. So I have to tell this guy he's got to go wait outside. And the guy hates me. <laughs> Still to this day, I saw him at a Soundgarden concert where I went backstage like a month after this. And he's like, oh, you again. <laughs> like, oh, I made an enemy for life, but I had to kick him out. It's my job, right? So we go up there. Uh, Chris Cornell walks out to play the song. President Obama comes in, you know, last. Everyone's seated. And Chris, like, starts strumming his guitar, and it's not plugged in. OK, mm -hmm. and the guitar tech is next to me and he's like, I'm going to run out there and check the cable. You know, I'm going to run out and check the cable. And I said, dude, if you run out there right now, you get shot. Mm. Now, well, we're in a no sudden movement kind of thing. You can't be running out there, you know, with like Chris was standing five feet in front of Obama. So Chris just moved aside and didn't use the microphone and just strummed and sang and filled up 
you know, the room with this incredible, powerful thing. And it ended up being this great moment. But the point of that is like the Secret Service was buttoned down. Like they did not mess around. You know, there is nothing more important than protecting the president, you know, and his family. And Trump and these guys, they mocked that. They used the Secret Service for baggage handlers. You know, they, they turned them into their porters on their ski vacations. I saw an image of Tiffany Trump walking down Worth Drive in Palm Beach, which is where, you know, the Fendi stores are. And the Secret Service guys were carrying her shopping. They were carrying her big <laughs> Chanel bags, walking behind her, like two Secret Service guys with their hands full of like, and she's not even in the immediate circle. You know, Trump doesn't even acknowledge her. When we did Celebrity Apprentice, she wasn't even invited because she was like not camera ready in his words. You know, he didn't think she was pretty enough to be on the show. And she gets Secret Service protection. It's insane. And there's there, it's a grift. And he gets it till June, I think. or just, Yeah, till through the end of June. And then they're on their own. And as I said in my rant, Ivanka and uh, Jared made hundreds of millions of dollars being in the White House. You know, they profited from it. They made like $600 million. They don't need us paying for their security. You know, they can hire some Mossad agents or something, you know, to follow them around and make sure nobody harms them, you know? Yeah, one uh, one thing about like having your security detail carrying bags around for you, I wouldn't want my detail to not have one free hand, you know, in case something happens, just thinking about it logistically for me. Uh, and also, let's not forget, it was Trump who had that joyride looking like the Joker going around the hospital, you know, with Secret Service in the car with him, subjecting them to possible COVID exposure. Like the guy doesn't care even about his own security that, you know, is, is free to him. It's it's unreal. Yeah, he doesn't care about anything. I mean, that's who they are. You know, he was just, you know, and he got away with all this stuff forever. He was a sexual predator in New York City. I can't emphasize that enough. I think I talked about look model of the year last time, uh, last week. You know, there's that image of like Trump bringing a young Ivanka to a party, you know, where he's gripping her really hard and she's in this gold lame dress and stuff. It's this creepy photo that people always share on the internet. It sat behind Trump at the Rev Resolute desk when he was in the White House. You know, it sits behind him now in his little office at Mar-a-Lago. It's his favorite photo in the world. And this photo is basically he brought his 10-year-old daughter as his date to the look model of the year dinner. Like there's an event where they announce the winner. And that's where she hooked up with John Casablancas and all this stuff. I don't mean hooked up like physically. I mean, that's where she got her modeling career to begin. But he dressed her up like a 30 year old, you know, and she's like a 10, 11 year old girl. I heard from a friend this week who, you know, who was a skater at Trump rink in Central Park. You know, she was a, you know, a figure skater in training and stuff. And she first met Trump when he was seven. It was a beautiful girl, a beautiful woman now, you know, very, very attractive person who had a difficult life and knew Jeffrey Epstein was in all these circles. And she said Trump took a liking to her as a little kid and she called him her dirty uncle. Because he was just like hitting on her and saying inappropriate stuff when she was a child. And people knew Trump was like that. You know, people weren't going to let their kids around Donald Trump. You knew he was creepy, but he was a rich white guy. And his name was on the side of the building. And he got away with it. Just like he challenged democracy and sent his people up to attack the Capitol and got away with it. You know, in a just world and country, that guy would have been let out of the White House that night in handcuffs. They would have, you know, we would have said, it's all over, dude. Somebody would have, you know, the, the Republicans and the Democrats would have come together and said, this guy's evil. He's got to go. He can never be heard from again. He's got to be locked up in a supermax prison. And that's it. But instead, what happened? They said, no, this is it. This is our brand now. 
and all Josh Hawley and Matt Gates and all these guys, Steve Scalise, right, who calls himself like the David Duke, who doesn't, you know, a, a reformed David Duke, or I forget what the exact <laughs> quote is. Yeah. yeah. You don't guys, want that association. You, you don't want right, that. These guys brag about it. You know, yeah. there was a there was a congressman, a, a state sen- a state congressman in a Colorado yesterday who called a colleague buckwheat. He said, That's <laughs> enough out of you, buckwheat. Do you know what I'm saying? They're tripping over themselves to be more racist, to be more xenophobic, to be more corrupt, to be more in your face. It's like I said last week, it's like the dumbest idiot bully in your shop class is now an entire political party and chicks got in on the game. I shouldn't say chicks, women, you know, but like, you know, Lauren Boberts and stuff, you know, they're all trying to be who can be the most obnoxious, the most vicious, you know, the most damaging to our country and that's what you know that's what elise stefanik is to wrap it up you know to get towards the end here like elise stefanik is going to be bad news so kicking out a liz cheney who at least had some morals when it came to democracy you know Mm -hmm. i mean i obviously i'm not a big fan of dick cheney you're right he is darth vader you know he's the kind (laughs) of guy who'll take you hunting and shoot you in the face to teach you a lesson you know he killed millions of people for halliburton and kbr to make a little more money after 9 11 you know he used it as an opportunity to make money which they all do but at least he did it and liz cheney did it within some sort of like stratum of like what is common decency and that's it's like you, I think you mentioned Mitt Romney getting booed. He got mm-hmm. booed last Sunday and he was like, <laughs> he had a great response. He goes, aren't you embarrassed? You know, that was such a great comeback. It was like, aren't you embarrassed? Like you're a grown adult. You're booing me because you're all into Trump, you know, and they're Mormons. And he's like super Mormon. You know, he, he's like the most prominent Mormon ever besides he, Graham Young, you know. And he looks like a president. I'll give Mitt Romney that. Like he's he's straight out of like central casting for being a president. If he ever does get elected, it's gonna, you know, the the image of uh, the presidential seal is gonna look pretty good with Mitt there. You know? Well, that's why he Trump hated him because he was so good looking, you know. And Trump hates that guys are better looking than him, which is basically every guy in the world. You know? <laughs> do I look like a guy that needs hookers? Yes, you do, my friend. Uh, that's from my set. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you look exactly like that guy. You look more like that guy than anyone who's ever lived. So, man, it's exhausting, you know, and and I guess like we have to stay vigilant. You know, there's a lot of stuff going down that you haven't seen the results of yet. These voter suppression laws, you know, everyone's, you know, I'll talk about this stuff on Twitter and people will be like, well, we're just going to vote them out. You know, we voted them out like we voted out Trump. Well, they're making sure that doesn't happen again. You know, that's the point of these laws is like Georgia was like, that's never going to happen again. We're going to make it so black people basically can't vote. And Florida just did the same thing. The, the law that Florida signed yesterday is in addition, and it's being challenged. We should say Mark Elias is leading a lawsuit against it. But It comes on the heels of his other anti-protest legislation that he signed a few weeks ago that makes it a third degree felony if you show up at a protest that they deem an illegal protest and then they can take away your voting rights. So if you show up at a Black Lives Matter event, for example, they can say that was an illegal demonstration and they can strip people of their voting rights. You know, and it's white and black people that go to Black Lives Matter protests, but predominantly it's going to be the voting block that they want to disenfranchise. And we'll know what the results are of these things in the midterms next year, you know, next November, a year and a half from now, we're going to know how dangerous this stuff is. And, it, it, and we got to stay on top of it. 
We do. I mean, the fact that you can't even give someone water in Georgia without being arrested. You know, you're going to be arrested for doing the, the Christian thing. That's the other thing. They've tied nationalism into Christianity. Uh, and it's it's hard to compete with God when he's on your side of the argument. So, you know, that's that's another cover that they use to perpetuate their BS. And I know I'm the nice guy on this, but it's it's BS and what's going on. And it's uh-huh. it's unfolding fast. Jimmy's getting pissed, y'all. He's bringing out the BS. <laughs> but I don't know, man. It's it's exhausting living in the United States right now. And it is. It is. Day by day, we'll we'll try to you know get things passed. But like like we talked about before, as of right now, it's a divided Congress, and McConnell's doing everything he can to stonewall stuff. So I have to remain vigilant. Yeah, McConnell's and McConnell's, you know, when when the history books are written, it'll be Mitch McConnell who did more to undo democracy than any other person. He'll end up, for the people that really study this stuff, it'll be Mitch McConnell, which was sort of the linchpin of the, you know, degradation of all the systems that we had known. He's just pure evil and he just stuffs it right in your face and he's like, what are you going to do about it? And and in that instance, we need to go after the filibuster. You know, we need to say, all right, you guys are just going to block everything. We're just going to do what we want. And uh, that that the Democrats have to get tough. I mean, I know they're accomplishing a lot and kudos to them, but you just have to go like this is a fight for the soul of our nation. And I think Biden knows that. And I think the people know that. But you just have to understand how sort of vicious an enemy we're up against. And it's not an enemy like other people are the enemy. You know, that's see the real problem here is we don't want to hate one another. You know, we don't want to sink to that level. We're going to have to find a way to re-educate these Americans, to show them what is in their best interest, to show them there is no reason to hate trans, you know, transsexual people. There is no reason to hate homophobic people or homosexual people. <laughs> there is a lot of reason to hate homophobic people, you know, but yeah. uh Yeah, I joke. You shouldn't hate anybody. You know, it's all based out of ignorance and fear. And we have to shine a light on that. And the humanities are the the best um, way to do that. The arts and humanities. And we have to we have to get hip to these media outlets that are making a lot of money off of sowing discord and hate. It's not free speech anymore. You know, it's dangerous. We've seen the damage that it does. You know, Facebook is a bad news operation, but at least temporarily Trump is still off of it for a while. And uh, we've gotten a few a few victories recently. But uh, we, as I said, we got to stay on top of it. Um, shout out to all of the mothers this weekend, uh, celebrating Mother's Day. Uh, you're a vital part of our society and are going to be critical to an empathetic future. So happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there, especially my own. Uh, Marie, you are the best person in my life uh, and are the reason for my success. So thank you. Oh, yeah. I'm not mocking you, Jimmy. That's sweet. Yeah. Right, shout yeah. out to my mom, too. Happy Mother's Day. She listens to the show. Yeah. What, what is your sports stuff, Jimmy? Oh, yeah, I did have a sports story today. Uh, Governor Kemp, who we talk a lot about on this show, uh, signed into law a bill that allows college athletes to make money off of their name or image. Um, But schools are able to keep like 75% of it and keep it in escrow account, which is then distributed among all the other athletes. And that's fine. You know, good for the athletes for getting a little bit of money in their pocket. But I'm a little bit different when it comes to athletes because you only have so much time to make your money. And LeBron James isn't Dwayne Wade, you know, like it's apples and oranges sometimes when you compare the contributions of athletes. So let these kids make their money while they still can and are able to physically. 
Absolutely. And it doesn't seem right that the schools would get to keep their money. And and it's already professional sports. Like, let's be real. You know, these college athletics, these are bigger draws than like the NFL sometimes, you know, or, you know, or the NBA, like people, March Madness, how many billions of dollars gets gambled on March Madness every year? You know, how big are these like bowl games in January, you know, and people go to these schools, like these schools get all of their endowments based upon like how well, you know, Alabama's doing and stuff. Coaches get paid more in college football than they do in the NFL. You know, guys turn down NFL contracts to, to coach in college. So that's a professional operation. You know, if I'm watching you on TV and Saturday, you know, and you're playing in a stadium with 80,000 people, like you're an athlete, like you're a professional athlete. And, and a lot of them aren't getting the education while they're there because it's so demanding, you know, to be on these teams. And like you said, you get hurt you're all, it's over. You know, most of these guys get hurt even when they make it to the NFL. Like we all know the big names of the people that make all these multi-million dollar contracts, but like the most people, you know, they earn for a few years and then they have injured bodies. I know guys that played on several NFL teams, you know, that are just riddled with pain. They got addicted to prescription drugs because they'll give you any kind of painkiller so you can go out there and play on Sunday, you know, and then you leave, you get cut from the team and you're addicted to all these drugs. You have all these injuries. You know, it's a very hard life. And like you said, you know, a guy gets injured, you know, his senior year on, on a, in a university team, like it's it, it's over, you know, you're done. So you should have at least hopefully earned some money in the time you're there if you're competing on that kind of level. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, sports has become kind of a commodity thing. You know, once athletes are expendable, they move on to the next athlete that can serve their team the best that they can. And, you know, it's not a level playing field in professional sports. I found out pretty quick that I wasn't going to go to the NBA, but let these guys make their money and let the NCAA pay, pay back these athletes because without the athletes, you don't have a product. Absolutely. And without, you know, without the NCAA level, like in college level athletics, you don't have a professional leagues, right? No. You know, you're not going to go recruiting guys off the basketball court, you know, at your local gym or whatever, you know, like you need the structure and, and the discipline and all the skills that they're getting at that level, you know, so they should get paid. They don't have to get paid as much, but they should definitely get paid. And for college basketball players, if you don't want to go to college, go to Europe. Go play there. You know, they'll yeah. pay you professionally. That, that's another option depending on the sport. Plus, you get to travel, which yeah. is amazing. That's what I would do. I would be in Italy, baby. You know, <laughs> I would be that's in right. Italy all day long. Get yeah. out of America while you can, college athletes. This place is going downhill fast. Look, it's worth fighting for. This is a great country with a lot of great people in it. We're going to keep up the fight. We're coming to you every Monday. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next week.